everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the American Aztecs podcast. As always, my name is Andrew Medina, co-host. Alex, how you doing, brother? Doing well. <laughs> Just finished watching the match. It was, it was a pretty good one. Wasn't expecting it to be as, as tight as it was. I agree and I disagree. We're going to get into that for sure. He's talking about the Champions League final between Tigres and Bayern. Uh, shocker that Tigres made it to the final. Um, but before we get into that, let's kind of talk about what we're going to go over in today's episode. Obviously, we're going to talk about that that big match that happened uh, earlier today. Our MLS talk, we're going to talk about Pavon. Looks like he's going uh, to the Galaxy after kind of a back and forth uh, with Boca Juniors. FC Cincinnati splashing cash and signing uh, Brenner from Sao Paulo. Uh, looking like Salcedo is going to be going to Houston, which I'm sure Alex is going to want to talk about. Uh, we have a recap of the City versus Liverpool match that happened uh, over the weekend. Then we're going to break down some of the MLS jersey leaks, which is right up my alley. If you know anything about me, I'm a big, big uh, soccer jersey slash kit nerd. So happy to dive into those uh, designs and talk a little bit also about how Adidas has a, you know a, an agreement with MLS and how that hurts or benefits the league and you know the overall design of jerseys. But first... As we talked about at the very beginning, let's get into the Champions League final. Tigres versus Bayern. Overall thoughts? I felt like that game was was Bayern's to win. Obviously, I feel everybody knew Tigres going in was an underdog. I think everybody, you know, in the soccer world that wasn't a Bayern fan was hoping for some kind of crazy David versus Goliath story. I think they were a little hard done to lose on a VAR goal. I think you can sympathize with that being the way that they have to go out, like that hurt for sure, especially when it looked on the first VAR replay, like Lewa was offside. That being said, Bayern deserved to win that game. It wasn't something that I felt was like, oh, you know, this big controversial game. Tigres, at the end of the day, didn't do enough to to deserve to win that game. I think the the best chance didn't even end up on goal. That bike, you know, in the six-yard box, he, if he, obviously, if he connects, that's in, but when that's your best chance, it's it's hard to say that they deserved anything else. Credit to Bayern. I I was I was impressed by Digre's work ethic to keep it as close as it was. For all those worrying for a blowout, I, you know, a lot of Concacaf fans are, are rooting for Digre's or to at least make it you know a respectable scoreline. So to see one nil against such a strong Bayern side, I think that's a really good look at the end of the day. And that was the best that you know that's that was always going to happen. So at least you know it wasn't multiple. Yeah, uh, agree with pretty much everything you said. Um, it was a little bit weirder for me watching it because there's this constant, me being an LAFC supporter, there's this constant, like, we could have been there, that could have been us, <laughs> you know, wish we were there kind of situation. Um, awesome that there was a CONCACAF team in the final, the first one, which is a shock, kind of shocking to me when I look, think about this competition in general and how... You know, like Tigres beat Palmeiras to go to the final. Palmeiras just won the uh, Libertadores a week ago, probably partying throughout the week. And then they have to go over here and play. Uh, probably not going to be the best situation for them, but that's what happened. Uh, Tigres did the best of their, of their situation, made it to the final uh, after beating Palmeiras 1-0. Not the prettiest game in the world. Um, but this game, I expected them to get steamrolled uh, for several reasons. Uh, Bayern is in midseason form. You know, they're, they've been plugging along. They've been tearing everyone up in Champions League, doing well domestically. But 
Uh, they look like they could repeat the Champions League again. So very difficult to play this Bayern side in general. But they it's not like they're not in mid-season form. And it was their full squad. It was their real squad. They came out. They looked great. Um, Tigres has, you know, Tigres played a similar style to the way they played LAFC in the in that final also. If you guys, whoever watched both games, very much patient, not a lot of mistakes, very, very sound defensively for, for sure. Uh, and Bayern ha- struggled for most of the game to, to get by them. Um, there was always going to be like some weird long shot deflection I felt, or like a, like a, uh, a, a set piece type of type of goal type of situation. Cause open play, was just so difficult for, you know, Tigres, even when, when Tigres got the ball, they weren't doing much. There's a lot of long balls to Gignac. Uh, there wasn't many, like, uh, there wasn't many like players dribbling forward. Um, so a lot of long balls and things like that. I think they were trying to to get it to like a draw and maybe nick a goal at, at the end or or in uh, extra or in overtime or extra time, and then maybe even head to penalties where you know it's it's basically a coin flip at that point. But Bayern showed you know who they are and, and why they're the best team in the world right now. Why they were the best team in the world last season without a doubt, and why to me they're they're probably favored to win uh, the Champions League again. They're just unstoppable. They're frightening when they're firing on all cylinders. And while it wasn't the best game in the world, they definitely had uh, more of the opportunities and I think they deserve to win. Hats off to Tigres for putting up a valiant effort. Um, I know other clubs would have just wilted under that pressure, but still really cool to see a a CONCACAF team reach those heights nonetheless. Um, Let's get into MLS talk. And we saw, let's start off with your team. We saw Salcedo play today for Tigres. Um, And when I was doing my research on this transfer or potential transfer i should say it's interesting to know that houston has already started to make moves defensively um and it seems like that's going to be their way to get back into maybe not maybe not you know uh win the league like they were a couple years ago or several years ago but maybe at least get respectable and get some start getting some results uh can you talk about that methodology and why they're building from the back yeah, so if you watched Houston soccer for the last couple of years, you have seen a very, you've just seen four players out there who were labeled defenders who couldn't really defend. Kiki Struna, for one, was, he was DP signing, international signing. There was a lot of hype coming with him, and I think we were all like, perfect, that's, that's kind of what we need. Then you sign Figueroa, again, you know, international experience. And, you know, played overseas. He's a bit on the older side, but you thought, okay, this is a solid pairing at the back and this should, you know, at least stabilize us for a little bit of time. Uh, no, that was wrong. We were wrong. Uh, they were too slow at all points of the, like at every point that we were getting beat for pace or they were getting, they were diving in too soon. So I was, I was super happy to see all the moves that Dynamo made on the defensive line. They went and traded for Tim Parker. They drafted Ian Barlow. And that almost seemed to me like that was going to be the starting center backs. They just re-signed Figueroa yesterday, I believe. So now with this talk about Salcedo, Salcedo checks every box for the Dynamo. Strong defensive present, vocal leader, Hispanic, which will always play in this community. So he checks all the boxes. My only concern is, is if they can get it done. That being said, with the Euro, with the Europe window closing, that at least puts us back into the race, I feel, because he played extremely well this last couple of uh, 
these games, but if you don't know, there was a point where Salcedo was getting booed by his home fans. They thought he was, you know, and I think we saw a glimpse of why when he headed the ball back and almost scored an <laughs> own goal. To, that would have been I was like, oh, this office. is the guy that's going to Houston. I was like, this is the guy that's going to Houston. I want to watch him. And then I saw him do that. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so, but he had tweeted something uh, earlier this week, or I believe or, uh, late last week said, it, you know, it was talking about uh, how you know, Tigres fans were booing him and he's had all these great performances. And then he quote tweeted that with Yamai Boy. So, you know, to me, that was sending up red flags. Uh, you know, dime, a donde? Nos vamos, nos vamos. <laughs> but, you know, now after having such a... I remember the reports coming out that it's... His transfer is going to re rely on the Club World Cup and how, how it finishes. I'm not entirely sure how it affected it. I don't know if I was rooting for a win <laughs> or a loss, but... I'm hoping that moving forward, it because to me it seemed like he, especially he posted afterwards, you know, that he had let his wife down and his son down, and he, you know, he hoped he would get another shot at it. So it seemed to me like he'd be more than comfortable staying, especially you know in Mexico where you know he's starting to get the performances. So I wouldn't be shocked if all of a sudden this move just doesn't happen. Uh, that may be <clears> the <throat> pessimistic Dynamo fan anyway, but the optimistic one is like. Man, if we could bring him in on a DP contract, we're going to look great. Like that back line looks infinitely better than it did before, especially with, you know, returning guys like Valentin and Lundquist, which I know he gets a lot of, you know, he gets a lot of hate because he's not exactly a great defender, but, you know, offensively, he's one of those guys that I think you can trust. So if we're able to pull this off, I think this checks every box for a Dynamo fan and they should be excited for it. So there's two things that I have in my head because the Dynamo offensively, they always gave people problems, at least when they, you know, when I would see them, they, they were, they were fairly good in the attack. Do you think this bolsters the attack in some way, shoring up that back line? Because a lot of times what you see is you have, we'll take a look at Liverpool, for example. That's uh, I think probably the best example of what's happening when that, that back line is not shored up. Right. Then you have, it almost seems like it infects or kind of bothers uh, the attackers and, and, and especially strikers because they no longer get that rhythm. They're not getting that service that they're used to because they're so often on the back foot. Uh, do you see that happening with Houston as well? Right. So moving forward, our offense is going to look – the whole squad just got a real revamp, essentially. We're bringing in Mateo Bahamich from Argentina. Christian Ramirez looks to take the number nine. We talked to him, you know, last time. So – you know, when with this, you know, kind of style of play, the way that it had been going was we were a counterattacking team that couldn't defend. <laughs> so they were going down scoring and then <laughs> we weren't doing anything. So, you know, for me, I think in terms of it not only helps the offense, it's just going to help the whole squad, you know, in general, because if we're not, because the Dynamo were one of the worst defenses in the league last year, that showed in, you know, how poorly they did at home and away. Like being last in the league wasn't, uh, wasn't an offensive problem. It was the fact that you gave up so many goals consistently because even if the offense isn't going and your defense is good enough, then you can say, well, nil-nil draw, one-one draw, those are all fine. They're at least better than the you know two-nil losses or the one-nil loss because fixing your offense is an easier problem than trying to fix your defense because there really isn't a way to fix your defense in the season. And when you have a faulty defense, you're just going to struggle. It doesn't. You can have the most high-powered offense and still lose if you can't defend. So with the Dynamo's lack of being able to defend, their kind of offensive 
side of the game not necessarily should be ignored, but it almost needs to be kind of put off into the back burner for now until you can shore up that defense because of how badly it is. That kind of leads me to another question because so often when we look at the landscape of MLS and as a league in general, you often see these highlights and you're looking at the defending and you're like, Ugh. you know, and that can be, that can be a, you know, that's a, that's a broad brushstroke that I'm painting and that's a generalization. And I'm not trying to like, you know, harp on it, but it is a thing. It is a thing that the MLS is known in general for not having the best defenses. And there's, like I said, there's often times where you see players that haven't been anything. They come to the MLS and they go crazy. They light it up and they're, and they're scoring 20, 30 goals a game, whatever. Uh, do you think more teams should focus their DP slots on defenders? Because that's, that hasn't been a thing more. So it's been like, let's get this like superstar signing. That's going to, you know, give us a lot of goals. And for some teams that doesn't help because if that guy's not getting service, if your defense sucks, if you know, the midfield isn't in order, then it doesn't happen. We kind of saw that with the galaxy and Chicharito, right? It was this glitzy signing, you know, uh, he has all this experience. He's a, a Mexican superstar. And then he's on a team that just isn't facilitated to help him in, in his type of game. Why are more teams not going for that defensive option? Why, why, why do you think that is? Yeah, I think that's a fair question. Uh, I mean, the Dynamo tried it and it failed with Kiki Struna. So now you not only have to, I think a lot of MLS teams are worried about what that says to the fans. Because when you go and get a defensive player, there's, or a, I'm sorry, a DP, like a designated player, they're supposed to be your biggest superstar of the club. You've literally designated them as the superstar of the club. So when you go get, you know, these kind of defensive players that most people don't know, now you're taking a, a bigger risk because you need him to pan out. So when Kiki doesn't pan out, now you're getting, you know, criticism about, you know, why did you give him a contract, let alone a, a designated player contract? Like you're, a lot of teams are going to view it as this sort of, uh, you're wasting the DP contract or you're, that's how most teams fans will interpret it as, unless you're a dedicated fan, but to, you know, in the MLS where there's a lot of nonchalant people who kind of just, you know, come in and out, it's hard to explain giving a defensive guy a, a DP contract unless they're a massive superstar. In, in my opinion, that's why I don't feel like MLS teams are comfortable doing it just yet. I think they should. I think at this point, it's more important to get a bigger, a better like quality. Like you should be focusing on the football more so than that aspect of the thing, because obviously DPs are always exciting. They're always going to sell jerseys. Because they're these, you know, even if you don't know them, like you, they're designated to kind of tell you, hey, this guy is good. You should pay attention to him. Like that's the point <laughs> of the unique contract. But when you have, yeah, I think, who, yeah. When you have fans who don't really pay attention, now they're extra confused. Uh, I don't even know who this guy is a little bit. And he gets, a, you know, a massive contract as compared to everybody else who at least I know, I, I at least I know them. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, for the most part of what you're saying, I think the only time it's going to really turn heads or excite your casual fan is if it's like a Sergio Ramos type or someone like that. That's like a superstar, uh, you know, center back. But to me, I think it needs to happen, um, you know, and you've seen it here and there with I think the Galaxy has done it a couple times and they failed miserably. They brought in that guy. I forgot his name. He was a bigger dude from uh, Lazio and he didn't pan out very well. And he had like a crazy astronomical um astronomical uh, wage and it just didn't pan out and then they had to hold on to that and they had to renegotiate and it was a really ugly situation for them so I think it, I think it makes sense uh, a little bit but I would love to see 
you know, newer teams uh, start building from the back and start taking that a little bit more serious. Uh, moving along, speaking of newer teams, FC Cincinnati recently made a signing. I had to go and do a little bit of research before this because I wasn't really made aware of it for some reason, but definitely, definitely looks like a move in the right direction for FC Cincinnati. A little bit shocking because I wouldn't expect this type of player, a young 21-year-old player from Sao Paulo. Uh, looking at his stats very briefly, 32 appearances, 13 goals for Sao Paulo. He went on loan to Fluminense in 2019, uh, but seems like he is, has been a young up-and-coming Brazilian in Sao Paulo, which is no easy task. Um, to come to Cincinnati at such a young age, that's difficult to do, very, very difficult to do, because more often than not, we're seeing mid to late 30-year-olds coming, still doing well. But not guys like this. LAFC did it with Brian Rodriguez, you know, the Rewind talent. Now we're seeing uh, a young Brazilian talent. What do you make of this? To me, this is amazing for them. A little bit shocking. Um, and I'm a still, I, I'm a little bit on the fence because while it is good, it could be bad for him because FC Cincinnati isn't like the most dynamic, incredible team. He might not fit into their system. Uh, so a lot to kind of wrap my head around but overall good for cincinnati i'd say what do you think yeah absolutely i remember seeing the price tag the 13 million i was like whoa i i was blown away that i think that speaks to the progress the mls has made because i remember when the dynamo signed tomas martinez a million i was I, it was a million price tag i was like oh my gosh we're, we're never gonna do we're never gonna make that much money again how how could we justify that price tag? So seeing the 13 million yeah. and then seeing it was cincinnati i was like wow because they recently got you know snap to be their manager for Manchester United defender. I remember seeing that and thinking that was perfect because that's how you reinvigorate the city because when you are a new team or you are a struggling team, you need to get exciting attacking talent. That's how you quickly energize your fan base again. Whether it works, obviously that's here to be seen or not, but that's the step in the right direction to get people excited again. And that's the most important thing or the, the only thing you can really do as a general manager or front office. All you can do is you know, excite fans and hope for the best. Hope you made the right signing. That being said, when you are both a struggling team and a new team, this is perfect. <laughs> you get to, you got Brenner <laughs> from, you know, European interest. You can, you get to tout that for the people who aren't paying attention. You, look, we beat, you know, these European clubs to him. That's how good he is. Come out and come see him. And they're also not done in Cincinnati. They're going for a stop, which is super interesting. And then earlier today, Amaya put in a trade request because he doesn't see his future there because I, I'm going to assume this is due to Acosta coming in. He sees his role getting a little worse. So that's they're, they've gone out and they've said, we know we're an expansion team. We knew we struggled in the last season. We are going to repay the fans with this brand new stadium as well as a squad revival, which has to be super exciting right now if you're an FC Cincinnati fan. A thousand percent. And it's funny that you mentioned the fans because – FC Cincinnati is a is a team that came up from second division and they have that fan base that's always been there and they're very well uh, represented. So their fans deserve something. They deserve something like this. They deserve that new stadium. They deserve the good signings. Um, they've already have that foundation that so many expansion teams struggle with in having a good solid uh, fan base that believes in you and kind of supports you no matter what. So having this in place for them, I think, like you said, is just exciting times. 
Uh, interesting to see what Cincinnati's going to do because in the first uh, couple of seasons, they were kind of just like very blase to me. But uh, interesting signing. We'll see how it goes. I like Yapstam. Uh, Brenner's an exciting young Brazilian talent, so good stuff for them. Uh, changing gears, there was a big match that happened on the weekend. Kind of ties into the whole defending defender situation that we were talking about earlier. I don't know if I've ever seen a team get affected so much by one player leaving. Uh, Van, Van Dyke uh, leaving has really, really affected Liverpool in a way that I just didn't even like to the point where like Mo Salah isn't playing well anymore. He's kind of regressed and he's playing like, you know, he was such a journeyman for so long. And the, the negative light on Salah so much was that he would have moments of brilliance, but he was so inconsistent. Right. And then he had these, his first couple of years at Liverpool and everyone was like, where, the, you know, who is this guy? What, what? And now this season, you, you're kind of starting to see that. And it, I go back to the point I made of having that defender but not only having that defender, but having that defender that is a leader, that's vocal, and almost like a general back there, because that's very much what Virgil is, right? Virgil is that leader. He's in everyone's face. When he needs to be tough, he's tough. When he needs to give a nice long ball, he gives that. He's always talking, always a presence everywhere. Now, they went and lost 4-1 to one to Manchester City. Prior to, I mean, if you talked about this game last season, it was like Liverpool's going to stomp them, or it's going to be very close. Not four to one. Never, never four to one, right? Uh, do I make valid points? What do you agree? Do you think do you think I'm right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, in in Liverpool, the current Liverpool defenders, you know, center back Jordan Henderson and Fabinho, to their credit, I don't think Van Dyke could have stopped Alisson from giving the ball to Bernardo Silva twice. <laughs> I don't think he could have stopped that. But <laughs> it, it was, that was a weird one, yes. It certainly was it's certainly something that you need to, you know, pay attention to because and you know, looking at their squad, you lost Joel Mati. It it seems in this day and age with so much money in football, how can you not have uh, another center back? How are you going to place, you know, Fabinho and Jordan Henderson, two primarily center mids? How are you going to put them back there? How are, and not only are you going to put them back there, they're going to be there together at all points of the game. Like you don't have a single yeah. center back in your academy. You don't have a single center back anywhere else. You can't go get one on loan in January. Like with how much money is in the sport right now, especially Liverpool FC having pulled off, you know, all these, all these championships, you're not you're not going to have a center back. Van Dyke going down is going to be the end of the world for you because you look at TAA, you look at at Robertson, and you're just like, boy, y'all can't go up because you are not going to stop anything else. And then when you go up, you better sprint back because you two are the only two who can probably stop what's coming next. Yeah, a thousand percent, a thousand percent. And you saw City attacking with like they they were fearless. They were fearless in their attack. There wasn't a methodical buildup. It was it was very direct it was very ruthless and punishing and yeah allison did make those those errors but does allison make those errors if van dyke said i don't know i i I don't i don't really think he does you know what i mean allison has never done that (laughs) never (laughs) he's never been that guy you know what i mean he's not curious at all and so you see to me you're seeing what a lack of confidence at the back does to an entire team, even a team as good as Liverpool. Uh, they look frail. They look, they look out of ideas. And then when you're taking Fabinho and, and, and Henderson out of their natural spots, what does the rest of the midfield look like? And how does, how do things get facilitated? Are you, you don't have the ability to mix and match and play around with formations and play around with positioning and, and ideas. 
it it it, uh, it changes everything. So interesting, yeah. in, interesting to see how how it's affected them. Yeah, and it's it's weird because you bring in Thiago, and you know Thiago, I don't think has played relative. Like I don't, I haven't seen a match where I thought, wow, Thiago has been very poor today. But he just hasn't clicked. He hasn't been what they need. And to to City's credit. I, I, my brother is a big city fan. So we watched the game together and I was telling my brother this, I haven't seen a team run Liverpool around like this. Liverpool were chasing shadows for most of the night. And I've seen city do that to plenty of teams, never to Liverpool and to do it yeah. so convincingly, especially have, having watched the games in the previous years, like we talked about last year, this game was either going to be super tight or Liverpool were going to just break on the counterattack, And we'd never like they city were never going to catch up. I'd never seen city, take the game to Liverpool like that. They completely dominated possession and they forced them around the pitch, left, right, and center. And there was never a point. And with, you know, missing Aguero, Jesus, you had Phil Foden starting at top. You didn't really have this super direct attacking, you know, weapon because Raheem has been kind of out of form lately. Riyad Mahrez is a little overrated in my opinion. He just kind of, he needs that <laughs> left. And man, does everybody know it? And he just doesn't seem to <laughs> kind of get that. Yeah, I need to go to my left, but yeah. they don't know that. <laughs> He's got a bag of tricks that yeah, yeah, yeah. involve cutting to his left. But to see City dominate like that was super interesting because they, I felt like the addition of Ruben Diaz, on you know, contrary to the loss of Virgil van Dijk, adding Ruben Diaz has been a godsend for Manchester City. Their defense is completely shorn up. You know, Laporte having fallen out of favor was something I don't think I could have ever imagined but seeing John Stones come out of nowhere and step up to be that Ruben Diaz has been the anchor of that team and you see when you have that how much or how much more organized your teams are Cancelo is now he broke into the side and Zinchenko are you know these two players who were fringe players last year are now contributing members to the team and it's partially because of the style of play but you also because they have Ruben Diaz who they can kind of trust more so than when you had you know Nicolas Otamendi back there so when you you (laughs) juxtapose this sort of story of like one team got a center back they're very good one team lost a center back they look terrible yeah no it's a thousand percent and and on paper when you look at these teams you you look at them as two giants that should be going back and forth right but to me it wasn't even it wasn't a game it was just complete it was it was crazy to see i haven't seen that liverpool side like you said, I haven't seen anyone take it to that Liverpool side or, or to run them that way since the first leg of the Barcelona match, uh, the, the Barcelona clash. I think it was two seasons when Liverpool won. The, they ended up coming back and winning in the second leg. But that first leg, Barcelona destroyed them. Messi had that crazy free kick. That was the one game where I was like, this Liverpool side isn't ready yet. But then once they turned it around and then they went on that tear, I was like, man, they're really going to be unstoppable for a long time. I don't see anyone beating them. And then the weekend happened and it was very interesting. And it was very interesting to see. Um, like you said, it's weird that they don't have any center backs. Um, I think there was talks that they were going to get, uh, what's the guy from the New York Red Bulls? I can't think of his name right now. Aaron Long. There was talks about them getting Aaron Long possibly, uh, which I think would be an okay fit. Is You know, the time and place is maybe a little bit difficult because they're, they're uh, going into the second half of the season, but who knows? Uh, transfer windows closed and they got to make do. So it's going to be very interesting for them uh, for the second half of the season. Especially sure. because City didn't even have Kevin De Bruyne. They, they, they ran yeah. that midfield out of the park and it, it didn't have the best midfielder in the world. 
could you imagine yeah. if Kevin De Bruyne was, Kevin De Bruyne would have just been forcing Foden and Sterling to score with with how how well that midfield ran at that game? Kevin De Bruyne would have had all the time in the world to make sure everybody on the team scored at least once, including Ederson. Gunawan, like I, I'm just trying to make sure all our City fans, you know, the one I know is listening. Uh, <laughs> Ilkay Gunawan has looked like a completely different player this year, and he's just been the, an engine that I don't think any any of us ever saw coming. Granted, he missed the penalty, which I don't ever want to hear anybody complain about Bruno Fernandez because City can't figure out how to score a penalty to save their lives. But you know, there's the it has to be, you know, we talked about the moment of like Barcelona or when Liverpool beat Barca. Okay, now this team is good. I think that was a moment for City to be like, we just stomped Liverpool without Kevin De Bruyne, without Sergio Aguero, without Jesus. We just did that in Anfield and it, we looked good doing it. Apart from, I felt like it was a pen for Salah, a little weak. He, he knew the contact was there, which even then, if Ruben Diaz doesn't make that contact, I think Stones gets to that heavy touch and they keep a clean sheet. So for me, this season, that's the game that can be like, okay, now they're legit. Now they're the ones to beat. I, I agree. I was just about to ask you, has there been – well, first of all, now that we're pretty entrenched into the season, who do you think wins the EPL this season? Who do you think wins, wins – uh, who do you think wins it? Uh, I was going to say Man United, but... I'm I, looking I, at that if, Manchester United jersey behind you. If, if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer <laughs> says we're not title contenders, I'm not going to sit here and say we're going to win the league. So, But I think I think all signs right now point to City because not only are they on this absolute tear of games, they also have a game yeah. at hand. I think they have a few on a couple of the teams in the Premier League because they're also playing Champions League. So when you combine that with De Bruyne is coming back soon, Aguero is coming back soon, this, this is a weakened City team, and they are running it right now. So I can't imagine what this team is going to look like when they get back to full strength. With games at hand, I think it's hard not to kind of give City the, the lead in that race, especially when the closest second are, are me, May United. We, we, if, I would end the season right now if I could, to be honest, <laughs> to make sure we get Champions League. <laughs> I would say it's been... Uh, I, I think City is probably favored. The way the season has gone, it's been so all over the place for me. It's been it looked like Tottenham was gonna, you know, win at at, at a certain point. Uh, now they're they're down to down to eighth. Everton <laughs> was looking good. Chelsea was looking good at some point, but now it's just like it seems like no one really wants to take that top spot or take the top four. Uh, you know, Leicester has been in the in the mix, and they're they're still a, a very they're tough side. Um, yeah, they're in third right now. I'm looking at the standings. So I do think City is favored. I don't want to like call it just yet because there's still a lot of time to play and one or two injuries, everything can change, you know, but it's looking like City's going to take it. Very disappointed. I'm looking, has there been any disappointments or anything that's been shocking to you so far? Chelsea. I mean, Chelsea look awful. Tottenham look awful. It, it's been, like you said, it's been a really weird season because there were these these up and down swings. Even Man United had this really upward swing where now they're starting. It felt like teams got off to a super hot start. My brother sent me a, a stupid a meme of like this dog race and it was like Tottenham, Man, Man United, Liverpool, and I don't know, Chelsea, they were all running. And then there was like a cheetah just sitting at the start line waiting and it had like the stupid city logo on its face. I was like, of course, like... <laughs> And as much as I didn't want to like be like, ah, he might be right. I remember being like, 
oh, they literally had at that point they had like two or three games at hand. They looked yes. okay. Like they, the biggest thing with City has been those weird defensive errors that they make Lapses. to take them yes. out of games, which I haven't seen mm-hmm. as of yet. I've seen Tottenham do it. They've been strangely awful because even Arsenal haven't been ex- extremely good. I think Leicester have been arguably the most consistent team in the Premier League, being in third. That being said, I, I think, think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. I think it helps them not to, yeah. you know, travel to these crazy places to play in, in Europe. Like with May United in the Europa League, they're going to play Real Sociedad and Turin. Uh, City are playing in Budapest to play Glachenbach. I mean, where you now have Champions League and Europa League teams being kind of not necessarily punished, but getting an extra grueling task of you're going to a completely different country that you weren't even thinking about before to go play another team that didn't want to be there. So (laughs) I think Leicester have a really good shot because they don't have to deal with any of that. They're kind of just focusing on domestic and they get to get more days off, especially Klopp talked about how quick these games have been. And it's hard to fault him because these games have been flying. Like we have been playing so many games in such a small amount of time that it's been you know, really impressive to see these teams even perform, let alone at such a high level. Yeah, a thousand percent. It's got to be, and then just with everything that's going on mentally, it's got to be. It's got to be just weird and, and more taxing than usual for sure. So hats off to all of them. All right. So when we come back, we are gonna rate some of the MLS kits that have leaked prior to the official launch. But we're pretty safe in that we know what they're gonna be. So right after the break, Alex and I are going to break down the leaked MLS kits. Welcome to Digging Deep, an Ortiz Squared podcast with former Major League All-Star Russ Ortiz and columnist Jesus Ortiz. We'll take you behind the scenes with athletes and sports writers to learn how they approach their jobs and what obstacles they've overcome on their journeys. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the American Aztecs podcast. As I mentioned prior to the break... We're going to switch gears. We're going to do something that's very near and dear to my heart. If you know me, if you have followed anything I've done in soccer, you know that I love jerseys. I'm an avid collector. Alex, I don't know how much you collect jerseys, but I get super nerdy about this stuff, and I love talking about it. So we're going to bring you into my world. Basically, what we're going to do is we're going to go over the MLS jerseys that leaked over the past week or so. Um, It's kind of cool now because there's websites that leak kits, one in particular, that leaks kits and it's, I don't know, I've never seen them be wrong. So uh, it's nice to have that and to know that this is what it's going to look like. The only issue is, is I will say this, as someone that has worked for an MLS team and someone that has been very close to this process, a lot of times you see a picture and it's not, it's the quality is never really as good as the actual thing in your hand. Uh, And it's also very rarely they have, um, they have like the replica and then they have the authentic. So it's also very rarely the authentic kit that you're seeing so keep that in mind. Okay. So, and that changes dramatically. Usually there's like a different heat press that they're using uh, a different quality in the stitching. The material might be a little bit uh, heavier or lighter, depending on what you're working with, but the overall design aesthetic and the vibe of the kit, we can, we can kind of gather. So basically I'm going to ask you to rate them one to 10. You're going to give your brief dissertation, your brief answer as to why you like or dislike the kit. Sound good? Yep. And then I'll, I'll give my two cents after. So first and foremost, this is probably the biggest one, is the Galaxy third kit. Uh, retro vibes. They're bringing back their 97, 98, 98 look, I believe. 99. 
98-99 look. Um, your thoughts out the gate. One to ten, rate it. Uh, this is B and A for me. I actually really like it. I love that the Galaxy are kind of in a way of everybody knows that we have white and blue, but now we can, you know, throw it back to not the days of the yellow and green, but this really clean looking green and with the vertical black pinstripes. Like I, I love the, the way the kit looks. I think it looks clean. It's a very modernized version of that 98 kit. And I think it does, you know, it does what it's supposed to. It pays homage to the back in the day while also, you know, showing it to be this brand new sort of exciting thing, especially when your primary colors are white and dark blue. I think that can get a little boring, especially when they would just have the all blue away kit. Now you at least have a little bit more color, especially that green, which is not something you typically think of when you think of LA. So I think it's a really good design. I am going to give this a nine. And I say that because I remember being a kid and looking at that jersey and thinking that jersey is cool as hell. I like that jersey. I like that silhouette. Always did. Um, those colors are interesting because when you think of those colors, they're not necessarily colors that work. And that, that green that they're using, whatever uh, color you want to call that, it's not something you see on, on soccer jerseys at all, really. You very rarely see it. More importantly for the Galaxy, I think it's a nice reminder of we've kind of lost our way. Let's get back to what we were. You know, this is kind of the power of having a kit like this, of having something that pays homage to those classic sides. Like I can envision, I can see Kobe Jones rocking this, uh, running, bombing down the sidelines. You know, it's just, I can see it in my head. So this is a, I think it's a, it's very well executed. There's, if I want to be nitpicky, there's a couple little things I don't like. I don't like that. It's all black on the back. Uh, I thought they could have put some yellow in the, um, in the badge to add a bit more pop because it's actually the, the green and black uh, stripes with yellow pinstripes, which I think adds a bit of uh, pop to the jersey, but I wish it would have added more. Uh, they could have added more on the crest, which if you remember the old Galaxy crest, the center of it was yellow. It would have been cool to add a little bit more, but overall, I think this is a step in the right direction. Really happy to see Adidas listening to the past how much everyone hated all white away kits everyone hated them unanimously and now it seems like they're paying attention and adding something in particular let's talk about the kind of adding adding more flair and adding more uh creativity to them in particular i would say with the philly union kit that just dropped did you see it have you seen it i'm not let me google it real quick Go google ahead, it real quick <laughs> Because I just I, I just thought of it and I realized it wasn't on the list. So Philadelphia Union came out and did like this. Um, it was I believe it was uh, uh, I believe it was like a fan contest situation. But anyway, they incorporated their fans into the design of the kit. Looks almost like a bruised banana type of vibe, kind of like what Arsenal did a couple a couple uh, seasons ago. Um, also gives vibes of like San Diego Chargers. The kit. What does it have to do with Philly? I don't know. Does it have anything to do with their, <laughs> with their past? I don't know what I do like about this Jersey. I, I I'm not saying like, I like the Jersey or that I would wear it, but what I like it, I, in terms of the design is the intent of going and doing something unique, something vibrant, something that MLS when it started was known for having weird, crazy outlandish, bright colors, weird designs. So I'm on board with this. Uh, I'm going to give that one a seven out of 10 for me. But I like that they incorporated the fans in, in, into the design, and I'm glad that it's loud and it's a step away from your boring white templates that we've been seeing in MLS over the past couple of years. 
Yeah, so I've just seen it. Um, one of the things I think we as MLS fans all complain about was how unoriginal and how uncreative most kits were. A lot of them were just the same kit with different colors, which we'll talk about that later. But, you know, this is something that to me looks very strange. Don't, like you said, not really sure how this has anything to do with Philadelphia. It's yellow and light blue. And it's funny because on the MLS shop, they have the previous kit, which is, you know, the dark blue, the more gold, the more, you know, routine one that we've seen right next to the blue. And I'm like, man, I don't know how we got from point A to point B, but I enjoy that <laughs> yeah. we got to point B. This one will get a, uh, I wouldn't wear it. This will get a five for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, moving along. Miami, Inter Miami. Um, I am a big fan of Miami's colors. I, I think I like a pink kit. If you can pull it off, it looks great. I think Juventus have done it. Palermo, teams like that have done it in the past. Looks awesome. And I thought Miami was going to fall in line. So when I saw Miami's first kit and it wasn't pink, it was like white with pink accents. I was like, ah, you guys really could have went over the top and done something original. You could have been Miami. You know what I mean? When you think of Miami, for some reason, you just think of those like Miami Vice colors. Um, they added a little bit of a, like, like, uh, palm tree, like palm, uh, palm leaf, uh, monochrome to the kit. Uh, I still think they could do a lot better with, you know, they have such an amazing crest and brand aesthetic. This just adding this, this little monochrome print just doesn't do it for me. I'm going to give it a three, uh, really disappointed with my, with Miami's kits overall. I love the colorways. I just wish. They would go over the top with the pink and embrace that like classic Miami aesthetic that we're looking for. Yeah. So when I saw the, the Jersey, I immediately thought, Oh, this reminds me of New Zealand's jerseys, like from their rugby <laughs> team or from their soccer team. Like the, I, I remember seeing it and being like, those just look like, this just looks like New Zealand. If, you know, the palm tree outlines are pink or even like a neon green. I felt like this kit really would have popped, but instead it just kind of looks, may not have released a black kit last year, the black kit with the flowers on it. And it's kind of hard to see if you're not super close. And that's how I feel this Miami kit is going to be. Like, you're not really going to notice what it is. You're just going to see white lines and kind of just be like, whatever. But if yeah. I'm, I do feel like, you need to be over the top with it. Not as over the top as the heat this year. The, the heat jersey this year looks awful. The one last year, the, <laughs> the vice jersey last year looked amazing. This one looks god awful. But, you know. That's if, a prime if, example of what I'm talking about. Exactly. Right. You need to dive into those colors. And if pink isn't going to be the main color, it needs to be a very, you know, big secondary one. Like, it, it felt weird. It felt very bland and kind of weird to me that you took this route of, like, black and white. And then, you know, a little pink on the, on the badge. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Uh, now another team that's, you know, it, this is another one that's like, I, I, not identity crisis, but like little brother syndrome when we're talking about NYCFC, where essentially their aesthetic is just going to be like Man City's aesthetic. Uh, and then I'm looking at this kid and I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> like very blase, very boring, but very much what I expect from NYCFC as the Manchester city's little brother. Um, I think it's a decent looking Jersey. I don't think it's anything great. Um, you know, NYCFC has great colors. I think they have a great badge. I think the Eddie had airways 
this is something that a lot of people don't talk about and something we're going to get into a little bit later with one of the other kids is how important a good sponsor uh good sponsor badge is or good sponsorship logo is for an overall design of a kit when i think of old school jerseys in the 90s that things that are iconic to me or even now right we think of like inter milan and pirelli and how they're just synonymous they're just intertwined it just is what it is and that pirelli looks beautiful on every single inter kit that comes out it's just how weird would it be if you saw a new sponsorship on an inter jersey it would like it would take a second. It would throw you off, right? Mm-hmm. When I think of 90s, when I was you know, a kid and coming up, I remember um, Sharp on Manchester United's jersey. I remember Teca on Real Madrid. Uh, Sony on Juventus. Sony was such a big one for Juventus. And then uh, you, know, you think of Milan and all these other ones, right? And how vital, to me at least, how vital a good sponsorship logo is for the overall design. There's a couple in MLS that... I'm not a big fan of I'm not a big fan of the uh, of uh, Minnesota United and the Target badge. I'm not a big fan of Atlanta United's. I feel like it looks like something you would see on like a a real estate posting outside of a of a, of a house or something like that. But there's ones that fit seamlessly and 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 ones that work. And I think the one for uh, City works well. I think it looks great in that navy blue and just looks like it's a part of the design of the kit, which is normally what you want. So for this kit overall, I'm not super impressed. It's not the worst kid in the world. It's not the best kid in the world, but it's something that I think fits NYCFC. I'm going to give it a six. What about yeah, you? Uh, this will probably get a five from me. The, I do like that they went away from the light blue on dark blue collars. Like if you have a light <laughs> kit, I think you need like a white or it needs to be white or black. Like it shouldn't be another tone color. Like I thought the blue on blue looked really bad. So I enjoy that they at least went back to the white, but yeah, I, I just the biggest thing for me is I don't really get what that flag is on the. There's a flag on the back collar, and it's an NYFC flag, but it looks like a French flag because it's blue, white with a badge in the middle, and then orange. And I was just like, man, that looks terrible. It looks like somebody was just like, I don't know if this is New York City. We're gonna put this there. Like you didn't like it would have been cool to put something like I don't know, like the Empire State Building or like the Statue of Liberty or something that at least said New York. I don't see this kit and think New York at all, which I think is a, a problem later, but it's, it's a really weird kind of thing of like, like you said, it, it just reminds me of city, especially with the Etihad Airways. So then you combine that with the, with their Australian team. And you're just like, all of these kits look the same, except for cities look nice half the time <laughs> or men's cities <laughs> look nice half the time. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, now moving along to a team that is near and dear to my heart, LAFC away. I got to be 100% honest. Um, I have not been the biggest fan of LAFC's jerseys in general. The first Jersey that came out, I liked that it was a nice homage to like art deco. And there was a couple little like small details that were like art deco molding that you could see. But then I saw that design on another Jersey and I bummed me out. Um, I did not like the first away kit. I thought it was really bad. The ones from last season, I thought of all of those template jerseys, I thought maybe LAFC probably had the best one because it was, you know, it, it, I thought, I thought, I think that silhouette with darker, more subdued colors works. Um, so I haven't been blown away or like loved any, like LAFC. I like the one I'm wearing right now. It's a parlay Jersey, but there hasn't been one that's just like blown my mind. This one that came uh that that leaked recently uh 
again, very blase about it. I think it's okay. That color is very whatever. It reminds me of Manchester's jerseys from uh, a couple of years ago. What, it was like two seasons ago or one season ago, maybe. Uh, I don't remember exactly, but it yeah, reminds me of last season. We had the giraffe colors. Yeah. I think it was last season. I do like the sleeve cuff and they added the Los Angeles on there. I think that's a nice, unique little touch. Very, very interesting, interesting and interested to see what their new sponsor is going to look like. Uh, for those that don't know, LAFC has parted ways with YouTube TV as a kid's sponsor. So that's a big deal. Um, we'll see what it's, you know, who they bring to the, to the table. I will say with the kit so basic and so plain, that kit sponsor is probably going to be at the forefront of the design and it's probably going to matter a lot more than people think. So curious, interested to see, I'm going to give this a six and a half because it's, I mean, you, I'll, I, I can wear this for sure. I can wear this with anything. It's not going to be a problem. It's not going to be like a weird, a weird styling issue or anything like that. It's an LAFC Jersey. I'm happy to wear that. Uh, but still very interested. I, I'm going to hold off entire judgment until i see that kid sponsor but yeah what do you think yeah i'm really glad you brought that up because in my notes i put uh leak seems a little sketch because there's no kid sponsor to me it just seems <laughs> like a t-shirt without the without the kid sponsor <laughs> we talked about it earlier i was like what's happening why why because it to me it looked like oh it was very reminiscent of there's a training shirt for man city that they have the the sleeves say puma and i was like this kind of looks exactly like that except for they don't say puma they say lafc they just change the letters so to me i was like and, you know, we talked about the leaks, you know, mo- mostly being right. Uh, last year, they were wrong. Somebody owes me a, a forest green Man United kit because that thing looks sick <laughs> as heck on the leak. And then it didn't happen. So somebody owes me that. Where, okay, so here's the thing. What website was that from? I don't know. Football kit leaks or something like that. <laughs> okay, it needs to be footy headlines. If it's not footy oh, it headlines. Was footy headlines. Was it footy headlines? Yeah, I don't go looking okay. for these things. It was, it was okay. on my Twitter. I saw the footy headlines and I was like, I believe you because you get most of the stuff right. They owe me a dark green May not a jersey <laughs> with orange. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I think uh, for the most part, I, I haven't really seen them be wrong, but if it's from footy headlines, it's almost always spot on. So, but yeah, yeah. Going, back to, going back to the LAFC kit, I think it's, you know, at least it's something different. At least it's not white. At least it's, you know, this kind of gold color. I, I'm always a big fan of gold lettering on kits. That's always something that I've been, I've loved since I saw it on the old Chelsea kits. That's always something that I'm Same. like, yes, I want to see more metallic gold on, on things. Uh, obviously with this, it's kind of pushing y'all in the direction of having black as your primary kit and gold as your secondary kit, as opposed to white. So I think that's at least a good thing. Like you said, I think the the Jersey sponsor can bring it all together or it can just make it more meh. So I'm, I'm down to wait to see what happens. Yeah. And you know, it's funny that you mentioned the kit because I think a lot of people think it's going to be this beige color. Um, and I'm looking at it like maybe it might be more of a champagne where it has like a, if you remember when Clint Dempsey played for Fulham and they played Juventus, maybe you don't, but I, this might kind of uh, spark a couple people's uh, memories. They played Juventus in, uh, when Clint Dempsey was playing at Fulham, they played Juventus in the Europa. Clint Dempsey scored an amazing free kick against Juventus and they were wearing these like champagne goldish kits. I don't think this kit is going to be beige or tan. A lot of people are kind of misconstruing that. I think it's going to be more of a shiny, metallic, champagne type of color. If it is that color, 
which I'm hoping for, I think that'll step it up a little bit for me because it'll add to that, uh, just that little bit of flair, that little bit of we're doing things a little bit differently. Definitely, it's cool that we're seeing pretty much everyone steering away from the all-white kids. So uh, pretty happy with that. Uh, moving along, New York Red Bulls home. Go ahead. Yeah, so I think we run into kind of a unique problem. We touched on it with New York City FC of their little brothers to City, and it's kind of looks similar. It's weird to think of the Red Bulls kit as anything other than just rebranded with the New York name because the Red Bull kits across, you know, across their vast, you know, teams at Lezepeg and, you know, Australia, there's like three New York, or I'm sorry, there's three Red Bull teams. And to me, they always look super similar, which is fine. I think when you're doing that, it can be, it's supposed to be consistent. You're supposed to see them and be reminded of the other Red Bull teams. But when you're a New York city you need to harp on that uniqueness. You are missing, you're missing out by not playing to the city's strengths. You aren't in, you know, Lesapeg. You aren't in these kind of smaller areas. You're as big as it gets in the States. And you're just going to be a white kit with the Red Bulls on it. I feel like they're just missing an opportunity because that the New York kits should be some of the coolest in the, in the country. And instead we get little brother syndrome of they have to look like something else in Europe. And I, I feel like they're just missing out. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. And ironically, I would say that Leipzig and uh, who's the other Salzburg have, they both have Nike kit sponsors. So it's a, they, they're, they have that to separate them from, from obviously from New York. Um, but I would argue that their designs are a little bit better than what we have here. This just looks lazy as hell to me. I don't know what this, it's like a gradient checkerboard. I, yeah. I, like, if you're going to do a design, hopefully there's a tie to something. They, that, that Galaxy design speaks to better times, speaks to old school fans, speaks to since 96 and all that. That's, that's what you want, right? You want some sort of tie to the city. You want some sort of recognition, some sort of remembrance of something. Uh, this is just lazy as hell to me. It's boring. It's ugly. Checkers, you got to be real careful when you're using checkers on a kit man uh you gotta you gotta reference croatia you really can't deviate <laughs> too crazy uh this weird like pseudo monochrome gradient this is horrible 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 i'm giving this like a i'm giving this a one man this is bad uh again back to the point you made the little brother syndrome you are new york bro you're when people think of america they think of new york like statue of liberty empire state building that's what they think of, right? How are you not – again, you, you mentioned that they're part of the whole like Red Bull contingent and all that. There's got to be some ties and all that. That's that's fine. That's no problem. But you're in New York. Like give us something that screams New York, that lets us know you're in New York. At least, you know, NYCFC is trying something with that weird flag they're doing. <laughs> I don't know what that's all about, but at least they're trying something with that, right? They're, they're trying to tie it back to the city in some way. Uh, this is just terrible for me. I don't know where, I don't know how this got approved. Uh, I'm not a fan of it, but uh, yeah, sorry, sorry to New York Red Bull fans. Last but not least, Atlanta home. This one caused probably the most polarizing situation or polarizing uh, vocal fans on Twitter from what I saw. Uh, Atlanta is known as the Five Stripes. Since their inception, they've worn red and black. 
stripes and they had five I guess five red stripes. Um, so that's where they were known as last season. They didn't have five stripes or two seasons ago. They didn't have five stripes and people freaked out. Uh, we're the five stripes. We should have five stripes, blah, 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 you know, et cetera, et cetera. Now uh, they go and make this weird black kit with five very thin stripes that are going down the middle. I think I kind of remember Barcelona doing a similar thing a few years ago, but doing it much better. Uh, what do you think about this kit? So for me, I always like the Atlanta kits. I think the color palette they have is always great. Like it's hard to get those wrong, you know, not having not known anything about the club or the history of the club or, or however, you know, for me, I was like, this looks pretty sick. I'm definitely down with it. I really liked it. I, it, I would give it a seven based off of just looking at it. <laughs> and especially compared to the other things we've seen today. Uh, I, I really enjoy. I thought the kit looked nice. I thought it looked clean. I was all about it. Now that I'm looking at it, see, when I first saw it, I saw just a silhouette. And it, I was kind of like, eh, it's okay. Now that I'm looking at it, I see it on a person. And it's funny. I was kind of talking bad about their kit sponsor. Ironically, the kit sponsor fits really good on this. It looks good. It separates the five stripes nice and Nice and clean. It looks good. It pops with the badge. It pops with the uh, Adidas logo. I also like a lot of teams will do this. They'll get, so you kind of like the jersey I'm wearing right here. They'll do like a teal stripes, teal badge, teal this, teal, everything's the same. I like that they there's gold accents to this, not only on their badge, but the Adidas is gold. The kit sponsor is gold. I'm hoping on their numbering on the back, which I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to be gold so that it pops a little bit more. This reminds me of like, Milan, Kaká days, Shevchenko days, Balotelli when he was still balling out. I love those kits that have those pops of gold like you talked about. And when I'm looking at this kit, uh, I like it, man. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. I know like purists, Atlanta purists, want that striped, like classic red and black striped kit. I think this is a nice breather from that. And then you kind of go back to it in a couple of years. But I like this kit a lot, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. All right, that leads us into sort of a bigger umbrella question that we're going to talk about because we're talking a lot about kits and about design and about you know uniformity, and that's been a big issue that's plagued uh, MLS for a few years now. Um, the idea of using templates. We had the Condivo 20 templates where everyone had the big chunky three stripes over the shoulder. Uh, then you had the away jerseys having to be white for – who knows why? Um, and as we look at MLS overall as a league started, you know, several years ago, I loved one of the things I loved about MLS in the beginning was how bright, colorful, how different all of the designs were. Even if you had like Nike playing Nike, that they were still varying and there's still uniqueness to those jerseys back then. But you had, uh, you know, you had sponsors like Kappa. You had, obviously, Nike and Adidas. Puma was involved. There was a bunch of different kit sponsors that were in the mix at the time. Uh, and now, over the past, well, at least 10 years, it's been, it's been Adidas, right? What do you think has been the benefit to that? And how do you think it's been hurting in terms of – when we say hurting, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, like, the design and what we like to see um, with jerseys from an aesthetic standpoint. Yeah, so the good that it did was it kind of put everybody in on the same footing. Like we talked about how there were differing brands at, at some points and 
well, that I think that can be fine. Like we see it all the time in Premier League that most clubs have a different sponsor. In the MLS, it kind of got to a point where smaller clubs are getting really screwed out of, you know, they're getting screwed at the end of the day and they were forced to go with an inferior brand or, or you know, so have you. So I think back in the day, it, it made sense to do this. It put everybody on equal footing. It made the league look more professional. We all recognize Adidas as this, very like high sports brand. So it put, it made it look more professional, especially to the European market. Everybody's got an Adidas kit. They recognize that boom, it's a, it's a real league. I think where it's come to hurt them now is now with the league getting more and more popular and more and more exciting with more and more people looking at it, people were starting to realize that kit is the same kit as the other ones, just a different color. And I think as Adidas got a little more lazy especially when you see like this year, only certain clubs are getting third kits. That just screams to me like they don't really care about individuality or the individual teams at all. They just know who's going to get them money and they're going to put more effort into them. So I think, you know, coming into it via a Dynamo fan, we haven't had really a big kit launch except for a few years ago when we launched our first black kit. That was the first time I remember them making a big deal about it. But since then, I mean, it's been the same jerseys over and over again. We'll swap one jersey out, you know, and then keep going for a few years. And that'll be the same kit over and over again. And then we'll swap the other jersey out for a few more years. And that's just how it's been. So I think while at initially this was the way to go, it kind of put everybody on, on equal footing when we were still trying to find our way. Now it just looks like you're shooting yourselves in the foot, especially with how much more popular the league is, especially now with Americans popping up all over with more people looking, you could have gotten better competition with different kit, you know, sponsors or, you know, with different people with Nike being involved, Puma being involved, especially here in the States with Nike. So although it worked back then, now you're just shooting yourselves in the foot and it's showing because Adidas have chosen to kind of be lazy with how they've taken, you know, the MLS kits and what direction they've tried to take them in. It's interesting you say that also how certain teams are getting third kits. And I look back to the whole Parley initiative, which is I'm wearing that, that jersey right now, where essentially what they had a partnership with Parley and they would, Parley takes recycled plastics from the ocean. They turn them into jerseys, hats, shoes, whatever. Really cool initiative they had for a couple of years. So every team had a Parley jersey, right? They did that for the past two or three seasons. Uh, seems like they stopped that this season and now they're picking and choosing who they go with. Uh, I think hundred percent without a doubt, it has to do with, with sales and who's selling the most jerseys, but to go back to your point of the, the, what it's done, it's, it's, it's been good and bad. And I think this is a microcosm of, of the league in general, right? Because for so often we had to play by DP rules and Tam and uh, Gam and all these crazy rules that no one understands, but it's built that way to facilitate the league doing good as a whole. And if they're, you're not in the best market in the world, you can still survive and, and make money and do okay. Um, More and more every year, there's louder and louder. We're talking about relegation and things like that. Um, And I know I don't want to go off too big on too big of a tangent there, but when we talk, we're talking about kits and we're talking about a league wide sponsor, it's weird because it's coming to the point where I think it's not benefiting those smaller teams because I promise you, if you're a smaller team and you come out with a really amazing design, 
people in general are going to buy that jersey because it looks great. And the fact that people are losing sight of that, if you haven't paid attention to what's happened with kit culture, with the fashion uh, side of soccer and how that's changing and how it's changed over the past five years, I don't know what you're doing. I remember seeing literally like over the past five years, I remember seeing when it's, when a national team would uh, do a Jersey launch, it would be a player in the Jersey, like Sergio Ramos in a Jersey like this, like looking tough with like three other Spanish players. You go back to the last World Cup and you look at the Niger collection that Nike did with Nigeria. Every single thing that came out was a casual styled setting of young adults that could wear it anywhere. Had nothing to do with being just a soccer fan. This They took it to a level of fashion and something that's beyond their the game. Right. And that's how you bring people into the game. People get a little bit narrow minded and they get like, well, that's not soccer. That's not this. Well, it doesn't matter that people are going to ask what that is. Who is that? What's that team? And maybe they start to pay attention. Maybe that's how they get into it. Whether that works or not, I'm not here to say that, but it is a way of shedding light onto the game in a different way that isn't just X's and O's. So now, you know, you're a smaller team. Look at you. There's so many teams that are like second division teams. You look at Madison, you look at Providence, like, all these teams that are just putting out amazing kits and they're selling out like crazy. You look at Red Star in, in, in France, they're like a third division club and their kits sold out day one. The Niger collection sold out, the entire collection sold out. And that's like six different pieces. So as a team, how are you not looking at that and not understanding that? And as Adidas, how are you not explaining that to your, to your teams? How, how, how is that conversation not happening and how is there – how, how are these things not being built up to where, like, for example, I can talk about the LAFC kit launch because I was a direct part of it. We had a, a week-long activation where we had uh, live performances. We had a tattoo night. We had, uh, we had a yoga night, you know, or a yoga day where we did, like, health and wellness. And we did this giant sort of uh, activation. And us knowing the jersey wasn't, like, the greatest jersey in the world, it didn't matter. We, we put a lot of effort and time and energy behind it. And we got the fans excited about it and what happened. We were like number one in sales throughout the, for, for the league, like by far. And it's because we paid attention and we understood that dynamic. So it's, it's to kind of go back, it's, it's good that Adidas has done this because now everyone's on a level playing field, but we're, we're beyond that now. Just like we're seeing we're beyond, we're beyond this system that, that we're a part of an MLS, I, I think. I think we're a part of this, this system in like from a, from a kit perspective of – Let's let's go back to old school MLS where we were exciting just because the kits looked good. They were fun. They were exciting. They were forward thinking, um, and they were something cool or something that represented your city, something that represented, you know, your club from back in the day. Whatever it was, there was some ties to that. So hopefully we start we stop seeing those that laziness kind of go away, and uh, hopefully we start seeing teams take initiative and really take a stance and and challenging Adidas to, to do something unique and do something better because at the end of the day, it's going to benefit both parties, you know? So hopefully those conversations are happening a little bit more. Sorry, that was a bit long winded, but I feel very passionate about that. I've been, I've been involved with that stuff for a very long time. So, um, but overall, what are your thoughts overall? Do you think overall the kits are moving in a good direction? I mean, I hope so, but like I said, at the end of the day, my team's not getting a third kit. 
So it's hard for me to be like, yeah, I trust Adidas to move forward, especially with the kits that we've had for, you know, we've, they haven't been horrible, but they haven't been necessarily anything to do with the city. They've just been orange or black. And that's kind of been it. I know growing up that we did a lot with the space city blue. And it was like this light blue that really kind of, to me, it connected the Jersey. There's a point where we had it. It was a light blue sleeve and I love that kit, but it's it's gone completely gone like it's completely out of any of our colors and it's super weird because then you have the uh the shorts are orange which doesn't seem like a big deal until you see it in person they're wearing orange (laughs) orange shorts orange (laughs) socks and the only thing that's a different color is their cleats and you're like oof why do we have this is too much orange all right i've I've had enough of the orange at least wear white kits at this point like we're we're not gonna wear white kits we're not gonna wear white shorts no white socks no nothing just orange or just black so it's been weird to see the dynamo kind of move into a duo color where it's only black and orange or only orange and black or black and orange so for me i mean the kits haven't been as good as they could be or should be probably but like i said at this point it seems like adidas is just going to keep ignoring the mls and keep doing the smaller teams wrong by just saying hey you don't you know you don't sell as much so we're not going to make the kits better where in reality like you said if the kits were better you'd be seeing them all over the city if the dynamo kits looked clean if the dynamo kits had anything to do with the city you would be selling out here there's no doubt in my mind that you would be they would be selling here and I think a lot of, you know, casual fans are put off by the replica kits are $90. And you look at the replica kits and you're like, $90 for that is what you think I'm going to pay? You are <laughs> sorely mistaken. I'm just going to go buy a $15 t-shirt at, you know, Academy or whatever. I'm not going to pay 90 bucks for that. Yeah. It Where essentially it is just a big shirt with a, you know, BHP built in or MD Anderson on it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, fair. Uh, overall, so far, what I'm seeing, I've, I feel like it's a mixed bag. Want to see the whole spectrum of all the kids that come out. Also, I want to be able to hold and see some of them in person because that changes my perspective. Also, a lot of times when I see it on pitch, it changes my perspective for whatever reason. But so far, I think it's you've seen some good things, at least in the direction with the Philly jersey. Um, I think... Uh, the Galaxy third jersey is a highlight for me, uh, but then I've been disappointed by and by both New York teams. I've been disappointed by. I think Atlanta is a step in the right direction. LAFC, you know, still got to see. But overall, things like feel like at least they're changing the whole paradigm of, of the all white kit. Which, I mean, hey, I'm not, <laughs> that's all we can ask for. Baby steps. Uh, at least it's baby steps in the right direction. Well, Mr. Alex, that concludes our show for today. Is there anything else you would like to add before we get out of here? It was, but I don't remember what it was. So we're going to call it there. (laughs) All good. All right, brother. Well, thank you for your time. As for everyone else, this has been another episode 